Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 35 at Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now, where guests receive good certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris reopens June 11th. June 11th for in-house dining at 99.90 Jasper Avenue. The 99th Roos Chris open in a town where that number 99 is pretty significant. Uh, you can reach out and check out Roos Chris. Tell Maggie Taylor Chef Eltaf that Oilers now sent you. Bob Stoffer with you. Every Friday, courtesy of the River Creek Resort and Casino, Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey on Rogers joined us. He is today's Oilers Now headliner brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Elliot, how you doing? I'm good, Bob. How are you doing? Good. Let's get right after it. Uh, we will start with your thoughts on the four-game suspension to Mark Shifley. Well, I mean, I, I think it's a very stiff suspension. I think when you take a look at um, the history of charging calls, it's the longest charging penalty. It's the biggest charging penalty in five years. Um, and, you know, Shifley has no history. I, you know, for people who say that player safety goes soft, you can't accuse them of that in this particular case. I think we'd be talking about a much different uh, situation if Shifley had played the puck. Um, or at least tried to. I, you know, I don't know if he could have, but at least tried to. And I know he was told that in the hearing, that you know they felt that he could have played the puck, and therefore the collision uh, wouldn't have been as bad. And you know, generally, I kind of agree with it. I think that you know, like Bob, we grew up in an era where that kind of play happened all the time, and you know, you had to understand that that play was going to happen. And I think now with the speed of the game and the, the fact that there's so much hitting or so, or so much, so less hitting except in the playoffs, um, you know, I think that we have to be aware that, um, you know, like that years ago that play wouldn't have happened because Shifley would have been interfered with. And now I know people complain about clutching and grabbing and the amount of that there, there is, but it's nothing compared to the way it used to be. That We grew up in an era where nobody would have been able to get that much of a head of steam to hit someone. And, you know, I, I just think that, and at that speed either. So I think it's a play that everybody has to understand. It's too dangerous. So I have to say I am surprised by the length. I thought he'd get two or three. That's a big, big stiff suspension. Um, but I do understand the rationale behind it. Well, Winnipeg ended up playing Montreal because, unfortunately, for both Oilers fans and Toronto Maple Leafs fans, uh, clearly misery loves company right now. Uh, but maybe the two favorites in those two respective series did not get it done. Is there a nope. difference? Is there a difference between how Toronto lost versus how Edmonton lost, and and maybe in terms of the course and the direction of the respective organizations going as well, Elliot? Well, I, I think Edmonton lost. I think you guys lost because Winnipeg was deeper than you guys are. Um, you know, I, I just think that at the end of the day, 
I, I don't have really a lot of questions about the effort level and the competitive nature of the Edmonton Oilers. I just think that Winnipeg uh, played, as Paul Maurice said, with a one-brain setup, and they beat you. They were deeper. And I think that that's the lesson that the Oilers have to get. They have to have more people uh, on the roster who are threats. And that's why I think you guys lost. Toronto, I think they lost because they, they lost their confidence in the series. Carey Price got started to go. He took over the series. And, you know, the Maple Leafs sagged. You know, I watched Game 7 for a second time, and I, it confirmed what I thought. We reached a point in that game where Montreal absolutely believed it was going to win, and Toronto was praying that it was going to win. And the offense, they with Tavares out, and again, it's not an excuse. Montreal won the series fair and square. Montreal had to stop one line. And when that one line, Matthews, Marner, Hyman went down, Toronto just couldn't score. And they couldn't create enough chances. And I think as, as that series went on, Montreal, like I said, they believed they were going to win, and Toronto um, didn't. And when the Maple Leafs talked about mentality the other day, you know, I, I think you have to bet on talent in this league, Bob. You know, you trade Marner, you're not winning that trade. I mean, how many players can you really trade for that are going to win you a deal for Mitch Marner? You have to bet on your talent. You have to you have to find a way for it to improve, and you have to make your team better around them. And that's what I suspect they're going to try to do. So they're going to stick with those core four guys at about forty million. I think so. Okay. They, they said they said yesterday they were in their meetings. I mean, they could always turn around and do something, but I think that's what they're going to do. What I think they are also going to do, Bob, is I think they are going to target, whether it's a goalie, a defenseman, or a forward with a different skill set or two, and they're going to say, well, these are the kinds of players we need, and how are we going to get them into our lineup? And that's where I think, you know, um, you know, there's a report that Zach Hyman's agent, Todd Reynolds, already denied today that he turned down a $5 million offer. He said that's not true. I do think the two sides at this point in time are not close on an extension, but they have time to work on it. Um, and, you know, that's where these kinds of decisions are going to come in. They're going to look at what options are open to them, and they're going to make they're going to make to have those conversations. All right, so we're going to talk about two players, one currently with the Leafs that might make sense in Edmonton, and one currently in Columbus that might be targeted by Toronto and okay. and maybe might make sense in Edmonton as well. So uh, if the Leafs were to go after Seth Jones, would the end result be they probably wouldn't have the money to re-sign Zach Hyman? Well, I don't think Toronto's going after Seth Jones, I, you know, unless they see him as a rental. Okay. You know, but if you're if you're seeing Seth Jones as a rental, you're giving up an awful lot for a rental. Um, I just I don't I don't see that, Bob. I, I think that I don't think Seth Jones is signing long term in Toronto. That's my guess. Um, so I don't believe that that's again. If they're doing it, they're doing it as a rental. I would expect. I could always be surprised, but I would. Uh, that's what I would expect. What do you think? Um, the, who, sir? Sorry, Elliot. What do you think the ask? We'll get back to Hyman in a second. What do you think the the request would be from Columbus for Jones? It would be. It's going to be massive. Okay. I think the biggest question is: Is it going to be for now or futures? That's what I think the bigger question is, and that might depend on the team they deal with. Okay. 
Where would you peg Hyman at? What percentage that he re-signs in Toronto? Boy, I, I hate these. Okay. Put it this way. Uh, no, no, here, here's what I'll say. I think it's a big challenge. You know, like I said, I, I don't think they're close right now. But I, I don't think they've really put the elbow grease into the negotiations yet. I, I, I think... I think Toronto will go as far as it can go, but I think everybody realizes here that he's going to make more money if he leaves. So the question is, you know, how close can they get or can they get to a number that is acceptable to him? Um, You know, I think you guys are going to be in it. Um, I kind of wonder if Detroit's going to be in it. You know, obviously Hyman has an attachment to there. And, you know, he knows Dylan Larkin very well. Um, you know, that's guess, That's kind of like an educated guess, though. Um, I'm sure there are others. Like, there's there's going to be a lot of competition for him. He's, he's a really good, talented, low-maintenance player. And I think the market's going to be pretty hot for him. From NHL Hockey and Rogers for the River Creek Resort Casino, Elliot Friedman. He's our Wilhawk Beef Jerky headliner today. All right, Elliot, let's switch to the Oilers. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who may be yeah. tied to Zach Hyman. What is the latest you're hearing on that front? You know, this week, not a lot. Um, you know, I know that some comments I made last week got a lot of traction out there. I, I think they're going to try to work at it. Um, it's a challenge. Like I, you know, like take a look, like you guys have a lot of cap room this year, but you know, cap room in this league, first of all, the cap for the next four or five years, Bob, if it's going anywhere, it's going up a million dollars, you know, like that's, you know, we're looking at, you know, a cap over the next few years going somewhere between where it is now and like 82 and a half to 83 million. It's not going much farther than that, if at all. So it's a tight situation. If you have cap room now, it eases up pretty quick. You have told me on this show you think Nurse is going to get eight times eight. Um, you know, I, I, after this playoff, I mean, he's an incredibly valuable player to you guys. And I have said many times, and I believe it even more now, that Nurse is an oiler. That's his identity. And that's very difficult to replace. Not only do you have to replace him as a player if you lose him, but you also lose uh, the, a, a player who identifies with your team. And I, and I do think in this day and age that's very important. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got to deal with Nurse. Eventually you're going to have to deal with Bear. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's going to be really tough. Like, I think there's a deal to be made with Nugent Hopkins, and I think you guys want him back. But I would suspect it's not what it was could have been earlier this year. So I just think, is everyone going to be content with that? Well, sometimes that's a bitter pill for an agent to swallow if there is a realization that maybe you could have acted quicker. And uh, in the like, I, I don't like Bob. Like I, I don't know about that. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I just well, think that I just think that you know, like whatever happened, there was 
something earlier in the year. It was close. It didn't happen. And it's been a real challenge to get back there. Yep. That's all. No, I, what I'm saying, Elliot, is because of what's happened here, because of the pandemic and the real – we haven't seen any of the unrestricted – now, maybe Colorado's already got a deal in place for Landeskog. You know, maybe St. Louis has already got a deal for Schwartz. I don't believe that to be the case in Schwartz. I don't case. think so. Right. But, you know, some people said to me, well, Taylor Hall's already got an extension done in Boston. I do not believe that to be the case at this time. Where I'm going with this I, I, what, is... What I will say with Hall is I think they've been talking about it. Yes. Um, you know, I, I think that's a possibility that he stays there. I, I, um, think... I, I know what you're saying about the expansion draft. I, I don't know if that's the case in Edmonton. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I hope it works out. At the end of the day, I really hope it works out between Nugent Hopkins and the others because I think he also identifies. I think this has been a hard year for him because it's lasted this long, but I think generally he identifies as an oiler. Right, and he's part of the leadership core, and I think there's a sweet spot in the deal that would make neither the team particularly happy nor the uh, the player and the agent particularly happy, but I think might make the fans happy. So I'm going to intrigue to be – because I do think he could get – like, you know what, he might be able to get – an extra year or an extra quarter to a half million on the open market somewhere else on like a team like Columbus as an example that's been looking for centers like maybe and I haven't looked at their cap situation well if they trade Jones they'd be able to fit him in no problem but you know what I'm saying like there there would be interest in him so I've got him at fifty fifty Elliot I think Adam Larson's getting done what about you well I've reported that so it better happen <laughs> all right so uh, you're right I I think he's getting done I forgot Larson. Uh, I think it's going to be around his current number. Um, you know, the other thing, too, is, you know, Nugent Hopkins, he's spilled a lot of blood there. Uh, I know he cares a lot about the Oilers, and I know the Oilers care a lot about him, and I hope it works out. All right. Elliot Friedman joining us from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers now. So, uh, Buffalo. They win the yeah. they win they win the lottery. Is there any yeah. chance they would contemplate like you know yesterday Mike Harrington who's all over that beat uh, and sometimes yeah. he he gets those guys a little upset there in Buffalo. He basically suggested they need to trade down and draft the forward or they need to take a forward. Um, is there any possibility? I, dis- I disagree with that. In the like in the in the NHL draft, a lot of players take time, right? Like, this is not like the NFL where you're drafting 22- or 23-year-olds and they're ready to physically ready to play right away. Um, you know, a lot of players in the NHL draft, I mean, how many players every year go right to the NHL? Maybe three. Yeah, so, you're, you know, it's not like you're getting immediate help. Now, number one, that's different. You, Owen Power, he could potentially sure. play in the he NHL next year. Yeah. yeah, but... Like, generally, you're not getting immediate help. So I think the draft for need thing, you know, I disagree with that. I think you take the best player. And the other thing, too, is, you know, what did we talk about at the top of the show with the Oilers and the Jets? Depth. You can never have too many of these guys. Yeah. If, you, if Owen Power, it turns out that somehow you have too many defensemen, you know, a team will always look to acquire a good defenseman. You can deal with, you can move players around. I, I don't support, like, I just respectfully disagree with Mike on this one. I think that if, if Owen Power is a number one on your board, you take number one on your board. You know, the, the story I always remember, and I know you're a big football guy, did you know that when Joe Montana was drafted, 
the Dallas Cowboys, when they came to pick, had Joe Montana number one on their draft board. And I believe it's Gil Brandt who tells this story. He said it was the first time that they ever didn't take the number one guy on their list. And they took a linebacker named Larry Bethea. And I've always remembered that story. If the guy is number one on your draft board, you take the person who's number one on your draft board. Yeah, well, uh, you know, in Buffalo's case, and that's why I was going to ask you about another player. So let's just say hypothetically they take power. They have Darlene. Uh Rasmus mm-hmm. Ristolainen is about 160, minus 160 in his career. But Jeff, yeah. Pe- Jeff Petrie didn't look very good in Edmonton and had, not on this show, but had some people say he needed to be moved along. He's an exceptional defenseman now. Oh, come on, Bob. We all know you ran him out of town. No, that was uh, that was a couple other guys, uh, one of whom's with your uh, network. Uh, but uh, And he's coming up in the next part of the show. Just... Dave Amber? No, yeah. Oh, Dave Amber. Dave Amber's never run out of Dave's a nice fellow. He's he's a lot nicer than you are, Elliot. So tell me, is Rasmus Ristolainen is, is any good? You know, I'd like to see him in a new situation. Um, You know, put it this way. I think he's an incredibly competitive guy. I know the analytics numbers don't like him. I've seen him play really hard. I've seen him have good games, and I've seen him have bad games. You know, both. But, you know, at the end of the day, to me, the, the number one question I always have about somebody is, are they competitive? Do they compete? And this year, he had a really bad case of COVID, and he played uh, his heart out after he got back in an awful situation. And, and I'll tell you this. I, I had a chance, um, you know, I'm sorry, his name escapes me right now. Oh, Michael Hauser, the goalie who played late in the year. Yeah, yeah. If you'll remember the game against the Islanders that he played, his NHL debut, they were losing 2 nothing, I think, in that game. And they came back and won. And I was talking to his parents and um, – his brother after the game and they talked about how they were scared their son was going to lose like eight nothing at that point and the team played so hard in front of them and they mentioned guys like Reinhardt and Ristolainen and I think they mentioned Middlestat too and you know I just remember that conversation and Bob if, if you play hard in, in a tough a tough situation like that for someone yeah, you know, there's there's something there. So like these guys like Reinhardt and and him, you know, Eichel hasn't been there quite as long, but Reinhardt and uh, and Ristolainen, I want to see them in a different situation. Like, is it possible that they go somewhere else and something really clicks? Rangers or LA? Who's the better bet to get Eichel? Can I go off the board? The team I'm watching is Anaheim. Mm. Eric Stevens yesterday from the Athletic in Anaheim had the Ducks taken Dylan Gunther, the Edmonton Oil King player, who had a real good regular season, well, albeit abbreviated regular season, Elliot, but got kind of overshadowed a bit on the U18 team because Shane Wright and uh, Connor Bedard were so good. But that said, he was the guy that took on the penalty-killing responsibility and, you know, hit a couple crossbars, and if he scores those goals in, he's got different totals right in that tournament. Interesting. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I don't know enough about a lot of these guys. I don't, I don't get a chance to see them. Um, you know, I, I will say this. I, I think there's going to be more teams in on Eichel than, like, like I'm, I'm wondering who the stealth teams are. I think, you know, I wonder if LA will be more on Jones than Eichel. 
Um, I, I do kind of wonder about that. But, I, you know, like, like Anaheim, obviously the Rangers, Anaheim, Philly, I think St. Louis could be in there. Oh, you know, the other thing, I, the other team I think is going to take a, a real long look at Eichel is going to be Minnesota. Well, you know what? Uh, Buffalo could get their forward at three. They could still take their D at one and get their forward at three if they move Eichel and get a couple other pieces. But I don't. Could you see Anaheim moving Zegras or Drysdale? No, I, I, th- I think Zegras is, <laughs> is like when they dealt with Columbus this year, they were in on Dubois. And I always heard that um, Zegras and Drysdale were never part of that package. Yeah. Elliot, love having you on the show. Thanks for your time. Uh, we'll be watching you tonight. What do you think? You think uh, you think Winnipeg has enough juice left in this one? Montreal's really going right now. I took Winnipeg to win the series before Mark Scheifele got knocked out for four games, and they lost to Mello. I mean, that was right from the get-go. That's a big loss. He played really well against you guys. Yeah, and the Oilers did some things that, you know, it was a... Anyhow, uh, we're gonna have all summer to discuss. Look, yeah, I know. I mean, you're just gonna have to. Live you're just gonna have to find more guys around your big studs. I hey, for me, 100. percent That was the primary reason why they lost. No other reason. Uh, no, to answer your question right now, I don't think what I, I think Montreal is gonna be the Canadian champion. Which many like, I liked them at the start of the year, and then halfway through the year, I couldn't figure out why they weren't better, Elliot. And now they're, you know, now they're in pretty good shape. I think we. I'm not sure Shifley's getting back in this series because I think the Canadians can win three of the next four games, Elliot. What about you? Yeah, I, I think. Uh... I, I think I think it's going to be a real challenge for Winnipeg. But you know, one of the things like we've learned in these playoffs is you're only as good as the sum of your parts, right? Yes. And you know, Winnipeg Winnipeg showed me a lot against you guys. I think it's an enormous challenge. But I don't I don't like betting against teams that win. That, like I, like to get swept or to go down five would be very difficult for me to pick that to happen to Winnipeg here. All right. Great stuff, Elliot. Thanks for your time. All right, Bob. Have a great weekend, man. Bye, Edmonton. Yeah, there you go. For the River Cree Resort and Casino, that's Elliot Friedman. It's 1254 in Edmonton. Bob, could the Oilers be interested in big guys like Zach Sanford or Brett Murray via trade? Uh, we mentioned Murray about 10 days ago on this show, partially just to do a little bit of a trial balloon on something. Not on behalf of the Oilers, but to see, okay, uh, whether or not people had any concept of who he was and would his name start to get regurgitated out there. Uh, Murray's an interesting player to me. He's a late bloomer, played at Penn State for Guy Godowski and really gained some traction this past year. Six foot five. He's got some skill. He can skate. I think that might, you know, I, I think he could become a third or fourth line NHL left wing. Certainly Sanford is a bottom six uh, left wing as well. I wonder if actual game plan might be to get somebody a little bit more experienced and better than that, but we'll wait and see. Uh, I would have time for both of those players, to be frank with you. All right, there you go. Uh, 12.55, and when we come back, we'll come back with the Oilers Now injury report for James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. This is Oilers Now. Hi, this is Leon Dreisaitl from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chat. It's 12.57 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Oilers Now Injury Report. 
Brought to you daily by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters in injury law. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Just on the Oscar Clefbaum front, uh, again, uh, we don't know what's going on, and we might not know. Uh, I think best-case scenario, maybe Ken Holland would have a clue as to the direction that maybe Clefbaum was thinking of going sometime in uh, early July. I do believe that if Clefbaum can't play, the Oilers will be looking to spend 3 to $4 million on a second-pairing left shot. D, what else you got, Brendan Escott? Well, with respect to tonight's Game 2, Jets defenseman Dylan DeMello is uh, out with a lower body injury. Paul Maurice saying it's soft tissue. Uh, he'll miss at least a week. And Paul Stastny is a game-time decision. He missed the series opener with an undisclosed injury. Max Domi underwent show, uh, excuse me, shoulder surgery and will make a full recovery five to six months. Uh, it was a tear in his right labrum. 1258 in Edmonton, off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, Sportsnet Spec, Mark Spector for the horses and horse racing Alberta when we return. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.